CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. This is On The Beat Podcast, recording this on Monday evening. If you happen to be watching live on YouTube, a little special treat. You're going to get some uh, fan interaction while we're going on this. Gregory Hall's joining me. He's in charge of the questions from the masses. Of course, Greg Barnes as well, Luke Buxton, and we are sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Before we get started, take a moment to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube um, and however you get your podcast as well. Greg Barnes, Carolina had a bye week, um, for lack of a better way of putting it, this weekend. What did we learn about the ACC while Carolina was enjoying their weekend off? Um, <laughs> I don't know that we learned anything good, right? I mean, good for North Carolina. Uh, the fact that North Carolina was able to go on the run that they did after that 0-2 start. I mean, they're, what, a game and a half back of Virginia in the standings now. Um, and I, I kind of had thought that, that Virginia and FSU and, and Louisville were really the cream of the crop. And I, I've continued to give those teams opportunities to kind of prove that. Uh, and they really just haven't. And so I do think they are top-tier teams. Are they teams that I would say, well, well sure, they're the final four teams out of the ACC squads? No, nah, I, I, don't, I don't know that I would say that at all. And uh, so you know, props to Carolina. They've done what they needed to do. Uh, they did what they needed to do in the month of January. And they're right back square in this mix. They've got you know, a tough stretch coming up, so they have to capitalize but as we've talked about before, they're, they're playing better, they're getting wins, and uh, they're doing what Roy Williams' teams do this time of year. Luke, and looking at the ACC, like Greg mentioned, it's wide open. I mean, Virginia, you think, is the class, uh, but then they lose with, you know, they just don't even show up for 20 minutes against their in-state rival. Um, the Hokies are decent. They're you know very good at home. Florida State, I'm starting to wonder about what's going on with Florida State, even though I think they're probably the – at least the, my favorite to win the league. Um, and then you've got Carolina and Louisville right there in the mix for that four seed, the all-important four seed. What did you learn this weekend? Yeah, I think it's it's fun and it's not fun because it's, it's the most fun when the ACC is at its best and you're getting those you know, 78 teams in the NCAA tournament who all have at least a shot at making the Elite Eight Final Four. But what it is fun about this year is you have – Florida State, Georgia Tech playing pretty well at times, Louisville, Duke's in the mix. Obviously, Virginia is kind of the team to take the top spot. Uh, Florida State, it's anyone's kind of you know game to, to get that first spot. It's anyone's game to kind of advance in the rankings. Look at UNC. You would think UNC was dead in the water after starting ACC play. 
And now they're in, in fourth. They've put together a three-game win streak. Clemson and Duke are tough games, but they're very doable games. So it's anyone's league at this point. I think it's really hard to tell. I think, like, Virginia has definitely put themselves, you know, kind of near the top with, obviously, a, a bad game versus Virginia Tech. But I think it's at least exciting, exciting, even if the teams aren't great. It's at least exciting. You know, it's not just UNC, Duke, Virginia at the top of the list. And it hasn't been exactly that in years past, but – it's more fun when you have six, seven teams that, you know, kind of have a shot to be in the first three. Yeah, and I think I think the lack of star power is the reason behind some of these issues. I mean, the filling out the preseason All-ACC team was difficult, and I've discussed that. Um, I think Sam Hauser got a lot of votes because people had heard good things about him, and uh, he had a good tenure, in, in, you know, uh, I guess at Marquette. And then Garrison Brooks because of what he did last year. And beyond that, it was difficult. And Tommy, I'm not, I don't want to put you on the spot because this is tough for anybody, but Ken Palm kind of keeps rankings of his, his top five of each conference. Do you have some guesses to who you think's in Ken Palm's top five in the ACC right now? Mm. See, I hate when you bring up stats like that because I do not know. You got to have Virginia in Florida State. Okay. They so you, have, lo- you don't they- have Florida State. You have Jay Huff from Virginia. He's the number one ranked player in the ACC right now. I don't think Tommy understood. Oh, oh you, you oh, I'm sorry. I'm about players. Yeah, oh, right. bad, yeah he's top five players, Tommy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good gracious. So, Jay uh, Huff's number one. Oh, from Virginia's number one. Is Scotty Barnes in there? Nope. nope. Moses Wright for George Tech? Nope. nope. Oh, no, yeah. Guesses. You got me. Um, uh, Champagne. Jalen Johnson. Nope. Champagne's not in there. What? Jalen Johnson's, Jalen Johnson's not, in not in there. Armando? Nope. Uh, Kev, all right. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, Tom, it's stump he, everybody. He made us look awful. I know, That's, really, man. We're live, too. You're going to do that while we're live. Like I said, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have done any up. better, to be honest with you. Matthew Hurts on the list. He's played well. He's I mean, yeah. number five. Uh, Sam Hauser, who, who's been pretty good. Uh, Ken Palm loves him some, some Virginia. He loves Wisconsin, too. I think it's just the. They play efficient pace. basketball. Yeah. Uh, Carlick Jones, Louisville. He's, he's had a good year as a transfer, for sure. And then uh, Keve, I believe, is how you pronounce his name. Keve uh, Luma. Yeah, Luma, Virginia Tech, who's I, another transfer who's had a had a good good run this year. I believe Champagny and um, Carly Jones were the only ACC players left on whatever stage they are of the Wooden Award. Yeah. Um, I mean, Champagny, obviously, just for his for his numbers, he's not on this Kimpom list just because of efficiency. That's Kimpom goes based on like. I don't know. Kim Palm put so many factors in there. That's probably why he's not on the list. He's just because he's a high volume guy because Pitt needs him to be. Um, Louisville doesn't need that for Carly Jones. But I mean, yeah, the ACC doesn't have that star power, like you said, and, Greg. And I think that's the fact that three of those five are transfers in this year, I think, speaks volumes. Yeah, that's that's what I'm not used to is you know, all the transfers in. You got names you've never heard of, obviously. Greg, where or, or Gregory, whoever's got to listen for them, where's Amanda Baycott on there? They just do top five, but hang on one yeah, second. I just, can tell you. Um, because, I mean, it doesn't get much more efficient than him, right? 65, true. 66% from the field. Yeah, he's, he's 95th nationally in uh, offensive rating, which clearly is the best on UNC's team. Where is he? Yeah, wow, and his – like, like When was the last time Carolina's number one rated uh, efficiency offense guy was 95th? In the- um, let's look at last year. 
Well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of grouping last year and this year together. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, well, it's just for example, last year their top guy was Brandon Robinson, and can you guess what his rank was? Come on, man. Brandon Robinson. Two hundred eighty-first was last year. Was their best offensive player. Really? Rob was the most efficient. Yeah, last year, and then wow. the year before that, uh, with with Kobe White on the team, Cam Johnson was fifteenth in the country, and he was number one. Garrison was second. Interesting. It's crazy how it works. I was looking through. I was looking through Steve's, uh, you know, game stat, game report for Clemson, and one interesting thing stood out. In Carolina's eleven losses, top two scores, Armando Baycott and Caleb Love, and their five lo- or my bad, eleven wins, uh, Armando Baycott, Caleb Love, and their five losses, top two scores, Garrison Brooks, and R.J. Davis. I think that is as you may, but I thought that was a really interesting. So the Brooks data there is very interesting because that extends back to last year as well. Hmm. So when Brooks played well, Carolina team did lost. not. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe when the team played bad, it was when he played his best. Right. It's like when, and you kind of saw that last year, like when he dropped his 30, 30 point game and had his crazy games is like when the team needed someone to, when no one was scoring and the team needs somebody, Garrison stepped up to that guy, stepped up to the plate, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he was putting UNC over the top, as we saw last year. And so that's kind of evident by this year, too. Hey, whew, I mean, Greg, while we're talking, look up last time Carolina averaged um, 75 points a game or whatever it is on the season. <laughs> I, I mean, not let's yeah. group last year and this year together. Right, because the answer is last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> Man, you're killing me, man. The man controls the live strings, and, and now he's getting very cocky. Yeah, I think it's really just a just a matter of the efficiency in terms of taking care of the ball. Um, that's what's so crazy about some of UNC stats is, I mean, they've they've dominated the boards like they always do, um, and they've gotten better with getting the ball down low. But you just have so many wasted possessions. I mean, what, let's see. Right now, they've gotten better. But, I mean, they're turning the ball over one out of every five possessions. One out of uh, – so, 20% turnover rate. Yeah, which is 245th in the country. So, not good. Especially coming into a game with Clemson tomorrow. Who – Clemson, I was writing the preview today, as I always do the day before, and just kind of looking at Clemson – I said this about Pitt, too, about them being an anomaly. Clemson, it's kind of obvious where the divide goes. Literally, they were 9-1. and one. Then their game with UNC gets postponed and they've lost four of their last five since that COVID break. And the reason has been, they haven't been forcing the amount of turnovers that they were originally. I mean, their turnover rate is like, is 23% on defense, which is 23rd in the country. And so that does not bode well for UNC entering tomorrow if they don't clean that up. And I mean, Duke's going to take advantage of it too, because they like to play in transition I mean, we've Duke's been saying this the whole season, the ball, right? Though. Duke's sure, also yeah. sloppy with the ball. It'll be interesting to see in that game. But look at what Clemson's done, what, the last four games? They've been awful. Right, they've been terrible. So, yeah. And uh, I keep wanting to give Clemson a break because, I mean, if you, if you look at their losses and just their losses, don't look at the score, they lost to Virginia Tech, who's a top 25 team. Yeah, Virginia, I mean, top, what, 10 team. Georgia Tech, who's, you know, hit or miss. Florida State, at Florida State. And then at Duke. It's, they're the, 
I mean, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. Cause they're, those are the top teams, in the ACC, but like we just said at the beginning, <laughs> the ACC is not good. So even like, like they're getting killed. And like those, they, yeah, those games have got, they're not close. Well, yeah, they're not, they haven't been. All okay. right. I'm going to interject here because we got a couple people have brought this up in the chat and I want to please our fans, you know, uh, Greg, you were on the teleconference this morning with Roy Williams, correct? Mm-hmm. They're asking about Roy's thoughts and comments on the ACC tournament and what he said. If you want to maybe divulge into that a little bit and we can kind of give our take on just the thoughts on comp- the tournament in general, if you want to transition over to there. Yeah, I don't know if I've missed reports or this is just a talking point by some people in the media because some coaches have just mentioned it. But there seems to be this this. I don't even know if you would call it a push, but there seems to be this conversation that, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't have the ACC tournament because it could be an issue. Um, I don't believe there have been any reports. I think it's just talk. And so Roy's been asked about it on this teleconference a couple times. And, you know, a bunch of the coaches have. And, uh, I mean, like Leonard Hamilton, Roy, Roy said, you know, one thing that Leonard said earlier in the teleconference was, you know, we're going to go through all these regular season games and then when we get the opportunity to play for a tournament championship, we're going to say that's too much. That's a step too far. And so Roy, I think Roy is just a little bit frustrated. Like, look, you know, either we're going to do it or we're not, but let's quit talking about it. Make a decision. Um, and I think, uh, what's his name? John Rothstein. Um, I'm not sure who he's with. but He's just independent. Yeah, but he, he tweeted out, you know, ACC has decided that they're going to keep on with the ACC tournament. I mean, they had never made a decision otherwise. Like, it was on. And people were t- talking now like, well, the tournament's on. Well, of course it was on. It was never off. And I think Roy's just kind of get frustrated with it. And I think there has been some conversation, I know, on the boards of people talking about, well, maybe maybe you do away with the first or second day of the ACC tournament and try to work an extra game in. Well, I mean, the whole point of the tournament is to give everybody an opportunity to earn an NCAA tournament berth. I mean, that's the fun of the tournament. And uh, I don't. I think you're really hurting teams in the program. I mean, teams in the conference. If you take that approach, so um, you know, I'm glad Roy said it. I wholeheartedly agree with him. Like, if you don't want to have it and you have legitimate reasons not to play the tournament, then do it. But that is a money maker for the league. Um, you're looking at the data uh, last year, the 19. Let's see, the 2019-2020 financial report UNC supplied in the NCAA. Uh, NCAA payout was like $2 million less than what it typically is. And so, I mean, they need to catch up. They need to make as much money as they can as a league. And the tournament's an opportunity to do that. And so uh, you need to play. For Roy's point, what's the difference between the ACC tournament and a regular season schedule? Or the NCAA tournament, right? Or the NCAA tournament. It's, It's like you're still testing the players. And it's honestly probably have more control in the ACC tournament. Put in a hotel, create a bubble in the hotel, test daily. I think it's safe to do. And he's like, why can we do this but not do this? This is a moneymaker for our league, as you mentioned. This gives people a chance to get into the NCAA tournament. So why would we play a regular season schedule? And then be like, oh, we, we can't play the AC tournament. This is too dangerous. I was I was talking to somebody at Notre Dame for um, who works in the athletic department at Notre Dame. And they he brought up a point about how – just like concern of only one guaranteed game and you're going to travel and do all that and have one guaranteed game and then have to go like, and 
that issue, which to y'all's point and to points before, how's that different than this traveling for a regular season, a regular season game. So like, I mean, I understand the concern, but if you're going to travel for regular season games and only have one guaranteed game, then why? Like, I don't, I don't get what's different. And everybody likes to talk about the NCAA tournament and how it's going to be three weeks in Indianapolis and all these plans. That's true for what? Four teams. Are you going to be out there for three weeks? Yeah. They're not, uh, they're not all 30, out there for a month. 34 teams are going to play one game and then check out. So it's the same, same thing. It's bizarre. I mean, yeah, I don't understand what people are thinking. Let, let's uh, talk about the elephant comment in the room. And Luke, I'll go to you first because it kind of blends over into the football season. I think a lot of Carolina fans have said when he talked about opting out, when he said, and don't quote me because I don't have it in front of me, but he said opting out is quitting. Yeah, he said team or individual, which um, I thought was interesting. I go back and forth, and I think like a lot of UNC fans recently over the weekend struggled watching guys play in the Senior Bowl. I think that was a little confusing of like why not Texas A&M, but why the Reese Senior Bowl? I don't know, and I've, I've thought about it. One, I think like, you know, I know Mike personally. I, I don't know Chaz personally, but I'm going to support Mike, you know, 20 times out of 10. Uh, but I do think there is a difference – with football and basketball with injury, like if the, if the idea was you opting out because you don't want to get hurt and playing the draft, I mean, playing a full contact game in football, I think is a little different from a five on five game basketball. I know the, um, the, you know, chance off chance that injury happens is apparent in, in both sports, but I do think it's a little kind of less in, in basketball. I was surprised to hear him say – I wasn't surprised to hear him say that and, and that those be his thoughts. I was surprised that he was so kind of fervent on the take. Like it was – came from a – it looked like it came from a place of, of passion. And I was surprised to see him be so bold in those words. Unlike Mac, who could honestly have the same beliefs as Roy. I'm not putting words in Mac's mouth, but kind of dances around the subject of like – We're going to support do what's best them. for our players, going to support the players. I was surprised to hear Roy come out and say that so objectively and so kind of passionately. But I mean, to Greg's point of the coaches being asked it a few times, it's just kind of like, I mean, I, I think it could have been less personal and more just like, look, I mean, I don't really have control of it, but like, and he just, I mean, Roy kind of gets, can get a little, I don't know. Tessie? Yeah, I, I don't know. Get he can get testy lawn. sometimes if he's tired of answering <laughs> yeah, the same question. We talked about we kind of talked about that last week with his interaction uh, or his scolding of Ross, right? But uh, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, the direct quote, Tommy. Do you know what opting out means? And then I don't know who asked the question, but the the reporter answered it when he Roy was going to answer it himself anyway. I kind of thought that was funny, but he was like, "Do you know what opting out means? It means you freaking quit." With like that same thing, I was like. You don't really see individual opt-outs in basketball. So I don't know. Do you think we could see that? So there's, there's two things here. Uh, the first is, to, to Luke's point, um, and I was going to make this point on the message board, but Rob Harrington beat me to it. So, so props, Rob. Um, but somebody brought up the fact that the Jim Christian, BC's head coach, came out today and said they're only going to have four scholarship players available for their game against Florida State. And they're going to play the game. 
And Rob's point was, it's a different story than football um, because, I mean, if you put a bunch of walk-ons out there, uh, then you, I mean, ask them to play 80 snaps in a football game. You get somebody killed in football. Right. You really could. In basketball, you put the scout team out there. I mean, they're going to get smoked and be embarrassed. But I can go out there and play basketball against you, Florida State. Could you jump over me and run around me and all this kind of <laughs> things. But I'm not going to die. Uh, I could die on the football field. So that that's part of it. I think injury is a key aspect of it. The other thing is, is that college basketball is set up where 68 teams get to play for the national championship. Only four teams get to do it in football. And so to equate like the Orange Bowl to the NCAA tournament, it's completely different because you always have hope that if you play your best game in the NCAA tournament, you can play another time and you can play another time. Um, Only one team wins it, of course, but you have the chance. And if you don't make the college football playoff, you don't have that chance. You're just playing an exhibition game. um, And that's a big difference in the two sports. I think the only comparisons like the NIT or any other tournaments, I don't see, I haven't, I don't know if there's been anything out there, but I could, I definitely could see and expect teams that don't make the NCAA tournament to be like, all right, we're done. We're not playing the NIT or anything like that. that, That's a good good point. I will say that in 2010, um, Roy Williams did not give, well, I think he did. I think he asked his coaches if they wanted to play in the NIT just to see what they would say. And, and they he, said no. Well, but he was going to play regardless. Right. He's told that story a few yeah. times. Yeah. I would think, you know, and to, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but the Michael Carter playing in the senior bowl, that's a, that's a job interview all week. Sure. And, and I think had those two and guys. he did well. Yeah. And I think those, those two, those three guys, four guys not have had the game they had against Miami in the regular season. I don't think they sit out the orange bowl, but. That's just me. Props to them. And Michael Carter made some money this weekend. I'm not so yeah. sure Chaz did on the other end, but he did look good in practice. Anyway, I digress. Let's take a short break. Talk about Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Folks, if you're listening live or if you're listening online or however you're getting this podcast, you need to say, take a second to go to johnnytshirt.com and support them. They're local business, alumni owned and operated, and they've got great swag, great swag for Carolina and you can get anything you want, whether it's sweatshirts, hats, hoodies, um, sweatpants, any T-shirt you need. Um, they also have tailgate and man tower, man cave gear. And if you're a member of this Inside Carolina Premium message boards, which you should be if you're not, I'm not quite sure what's happening. Um, you get 10% off everyday order, and they always have in sales, and you can tack it onto those sales. Go to Johnny T-shirt, support them. Uh, they need you. All local businesses need you. Johnny's T-shirt has supported us. They're friends of us. They're friends of you. Take care of them. Take another second. Let the national guys pay the bills on the audio podcast, and we'll be right back with On the Beat. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, boys, we are still here live on the Beat Podcast. I'm Tommy Ashley, it's Greg Barnes, Luke Buxton, and Gregory Hall on the wheels of steel. Gregory, how, how's the board looking? We got any questions on there? Uh, I'm, I'm, we've got someone asking, so the Cameron Crazies have been camping out in the elements. We can talk, we can touch a little bit on the UNC Duke rivalry coming up since we won't have uh, – we won't have a podcast, at least we won't be discussing it entering before Saturday. So we can touch on that a little bit. Well, let me Boy was asked that on the radio show about, and he doesn't like talking about games for it. So Jones asked the question. I don't know if it came from someone calling in or not, but Jones asked the question and Roy had to preface. He's like, I'll say a little something about it, but I don't like to, he's like, we play Clemson tomorrow. I don't like to think past that's, it, the next that's, game. It was, that's gutsy of Jones. Yeah, I know. Yeah, really. I respected <laughs> it. I was like, okay, Jones, you okay. Yeah, um, Jones looking to get that head bitten off. Let's, <laughs> let, let's, let me take a second to sort of segue into Greg. You wrote an article on InsideCarolina.com, um, posted it not too long ago, about the home court advantage still matters during this COVID situation. Uh, it is fascinating to me if when I look across the ACC, excuse me, the ACC standings to look at the home court records. I mean, they're so far exceed the away um, for most teams, you know, Pittsburgh maybe being the uh, one outlier, but it's amazing. It's playing in a gym. It's just like playing in an empty gym for the most part, even though I do notice Duke pumps in the Cameron crazy probably more than anybody in the league, Greg, what, what's going on here? I think Roy kind of nailed it when he said that it's just the comfort level for the teams. Um, you know, and you, you talk to a lot of players and you ask them about environments. Um, and I think, I mean, Duke and, and uh, where Maryland plays for the longest time are about the only two, maybe NC State. Those are about the only ones where players would say, yeah, you know, I actually kind of noticed the crowd. Like, I, 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 they got to me a little bit. Uh, just because players just zone out. That's what the coaches do. And there's so much noise uh, that there's nothing sharp. And so it all just kind of drowns out. And fans see the, the crowd, right? And it's all exciting and hyped and all that. And your players feed off of that, but they feed off of that both ways. You know, UNC always has a thing where you want to go and steal the brownies. You, you want to play your best on, on a opponent's floor uh, to kind of make them feel bad and kind of you quiet the crowd. You, you thrive off of that. And so I think emotion is, is a good thing. I don't think it's as big of a deal as fans like to make it out to be. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to that comfort level of, of knowing how the, the rims work and, uh, and just knowing your surroundings. I think that's that's a much bigger part of home court advantage than than the crowd dynamic. Yeah. It's always interesting. Let me interject old man talk here, Gregory. Um, so I, I had the opportunity back when I covered games a lot from inside Carolina. J.B. Sissel and I, um, rest in peace, brother, 
covered the last game for Carolina State and Reynolds and the first game for Carolina State and PNC. Nice. And the last game in Reynolds, that was probably the most intense environment I've ever been in. And that includes Cameron multiple times, both as a sitting in the stands and on press row. Cameron is sort of, it gets so loud, it's not loud. It's just like you can't hear anything, so it's, you zone out, like you say. And, and I remember Ed Coda used to always say, man, I don't hear it. You know, you just don't. It's, it's like a fog. But Reynolds Coliseum, that last game, Carolina State, and that's when Ronald Curry and Ed Coda about caused a riot in there. That was angry, and that was loud. And so to see those guys excel, those guys feed off it. And, Gregory, what I'll ask you is a lot of people talked about, even us on this podcast, talked about how the freshmen would benefit from no crowds. I'm not so sure that's been the case this year. What do you think? I don't – yeah. I mean, I think – and that kind of leads into a question that Ryan Schmidt over here is asking is, what's the Smith Center like with no fans, like – during timeouts and even during gameplay. And I think the Smith center is a little different because it's so large that it's the quiet is very, it's eerie, right? There's no buzz. And I mean, these kids aren't, I mean, I don't, I can't really speak to that much about AAU ball about the dynamic, like what the crowds are like and things like that. But I mean, even when they play at high school, there's still fans there. And so people are saying that, Oh, well, it's going to be quiet and they can just kind of, get into their zone and can just focus on playing with their teammates, but that's, it's weird. And so, yeah, I don't think it's benefited freshmen at all. And I don't think it's really benefited anybody. I mean, to Greg's credit about the home environment. I mean, that's, it's thriving because you're comfortable at home because that's where you're practicing in the quiet. So you're used to it. And so then you get out onto the court during games and it's just like practice. Exactly. So I think that makes sense, but away it's just it's weird and greg you've covered away basketball games i have not so i can only speak to what the smith center is like because it's so large but like when there's time out timeouts and i mean they pump in music and things like that they don't really pump in that much crowd noise unless i'm just missing it but it is it's it's eerily eerily quiet and i don't like it at all yeah it's it's a strange thing because uh covering the cbs sports classic in, in cleveland we were actually pretty close to the benches. Uh, we were, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 feet behind the benches, which is about the closest we've been all year. And I was right behind the Kentucky bench. And Kyle Tucker, I think Kyle's writing for maybe The Athletic now. But his entire uh, post-game story was on John Calipari yelling at his players. He's so, he was loud. We could hear it on TV. Yeah. I mean, it was like, so, lost his mind loud. You can't hear right. Roy at all. And he was, he, I mean, he was interrupting my thought process, which is funny because people always ask me, how do you, how do you write a game story at Duke during the game when you got people elbowing you in the head? And just like the players, you just kind of zone out and you do what you have to do. And that's just kind of what you're used to. But when you have these, these sharp interruptions, like a Calipari yelling at his players, you're like writing, you're like, wait a minute, what did he say? <laughs> and it's so you don't almost, miss it, right? You don't yeah. you might you might want to pick up on things, and that's just how our writers' yeah. brains and, and so it it's almost a little bit disruptive and and the ability to hear coaches yell and to hear conversations and to hear sneakers squeak. I mean, we hear it in practice, but you don't ever hear that in games just because mm-hmm. of the fans. So it is a different, a different element. It's just a matter of not being accustomed to it. Luke, chime in. 
Yeah, I've always had a hypothesis that crowd noise was really overrated. Uh, there's like some circumstances where I think it matters, but I've always like thought at home games, you're playing in front of your parents, your friends, your girlfriend. I think that also provides a level of intimidation when you're looking up and it's the classmates who are watching you play. At least when I was playing in high school, I've always felt like I was almost more nervous at home. Um, and I would love going to other crowds to kind of like silence them. There was like no fear and no pressure that I didn't know anyone there. I, I had nothing to lose. But I think to Greg's point, I think it's about comfort, comfortability. They're shooting on the same basket that they shoot on every day in practice. They're looking at the same blue. They know where things are in the court. It's, I mean, I just think of like when I'm playing driveway basketball in my house, I'm beating everyone who's coming to my place. I know how that basket, I know how the rim works. I know where to shoot. I know where to put on the backboard. I know where the crack is or I can lean and you might turn your ankle on a crack. Like I got a home court advantage when I'm there. And I think it's the same thing for UNC and across the ACC. So I'm, I'm glad you wrote that article, Greg, because I've been curious to see how much it would impact. I also have a question kind of going off on this. Let's say UNC doesn't lose to Clemson at home last year. And I know that the Clemson game tomorrow is, is not at the uh, Smith Center, but it has me thinking because they, I think the one got canceled. Are they making it up, the one uh, in Chapel Hill? They're trying to, but I don't see any way that's going to happen. If they do, I had a thought. If UNC loses to Clemson this year, no fans for the first time ever at home. Yeah, let's say like, you know, last year doesn't count and we can forget it. Does it count in the, like, how would, how would UNC fans (laughs) interpret that? I was always, I was thinking about that the other day. Any disclaimer. People could don't do take this. it. They're like, no, 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 um, that all ended in 2019. So even in their graphic, like it didn't say to present, like even that like consecutive tournaments made ended. So like, so everybody uh, missed the tournament. Last everyone year. missed the tournament last they year. They didn't have a tournament. How can you miss a tournament <laughs> that doesn't exist? Exactly. They did. They missed the tournament. All right. I want to pivot here. Cause we got a question. UNC got three votes today in the AP poll. Should they have received more and should they, have been ranked based on their most recent performances. And I don't know how you, I mean, I don't even look at those polls. I think they're ridiculous, but I'll I'll defer to the expert, Greg Barnes. Well, I would say because North Carolina did not look good earlier in the year. And we've talked about this before. They needed to win a lot of games early. They needed to stockpile victories early in the ACC season because their, their schedule is backloaded. And so they did what they needed to do, but now comes the hard part. And so I do think when you look at some of these wins, I mean, they beat Miami on a last-second shot by Playtech, and Miami didn't have his four best players. Like, it's a win, right? But ugh, they didn't look good against Wake Forest. Um, now, have they taken care of business? They, they're playing better? Yes, of course, because Pittsburgh has struggled. Uh, that no longer is a Q one win. So Carolina's back to being zero and four currently. Because it's a uh, it changes and things like yeah, that. Yeah, right. So they're zero and four now against Q one teams, uh, and I think they're forty. Let's see, they're forty eighth in the net rankings. So they've they've got some work to do still. Um, 
So I kind of agree with Tommy. I mean, I, I think at this point it doesn't matter if you take care of business this week. And Correct. even if you lose at Clemson, if you beat Duke, I think that probably gets you back into the top 25. And um, yeah, I'm having a hard time putting a lot of stock in the, in the rankings is how this season's played out. I mean, Kansas has lost, I don't even know how many games. Four in a row, right? And they're still ranked. Yeah. And they, they like, they, they've played their worst basketball right now and played their best early on. And now it's like the opposite with UNC. And I think there's a lot of, like, they've I think four last, or five. right. Four or five. And I think last year, a lot's been take be, is being taken into consideration just because UNC showed signs of last year's play in a few games this year early on. And it was like, okay, well, maybe this team's still not good like they were last year. So I think that might have something to do with it. But Tommy's point, that's why I don't look at those things either. I mean, it's midway through the season. The Heels could either go on a eight-game one streak and they could be a tournament team or they could totally flub and lose the next seven out of eight. And sure. I mean, it's just so tough. Like you, you mentioned Kansas – um, Duke could make a run and somehow figure it out with their freshmen. It's so early to decide. I mean, Florida State's like ranked 20, and UNC lost to them without Scotty Barnes. Like, I think it's hard to make an argument that they could be a now. You beat Clemson and Duke, or as Greg mentioned, just Duke. Then you got a conversation. You got a little uh, bit of talking points of why you should be in. But right now, I don't think there's any reason they should be or they should care. You know what's going to be something to watch for me is assuming we have a tournament, you know, this talk about not having the ACC tournament is crazy to me, but assuming they have an NCAA tournament is how do they fill the bracket? Because you've got all these teams that are not as good as normal, quote unquote. Are you going to fill the bracket with a bunch of teams nobody's ever heard of? And I'm not saying that literally, but for the most part, you got teams. So, you know, I can't see a situation that Carolina and Duke, if they're above 500, um, 500 in the league or above 500 overall, don't make the tournament. I mean, that's sure. – yeah, it's going to be – it's an asterisk season for sure. Um, so, let's let's talk about this Clemson game right fast, and then we'll talk about the Duke game since I won't get to talk to you guys before that game is played. Greg, um, Clemson we've talked about just briefly before has been awful lately, and they were awful this weekend. Um, do they get it right against Carolina, or do you think Carolina's trend continues upward? Well, Clemson's only only loss at home was to Virginia. And granted, that was a disaster was, of a game. It was by 35, for yeah. those of you who don't know. <laughs> Virginia scored 85. I mean, how often does Virginia score 85 on anybody? Um, a lot this year. Their offense is pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. But don't, don't contradict Greg Barnes. On this what podcast. do we do? What Sorry, do we I forgot know he about... was all-knowing. <laughs> Certainly not. What, what do we know about Clemson under Brad Brunel? Right. We know they're going to be very good defensively. And whether or not they have success is going to depend on if they make shots. Um, I mean, they're 249th in effective field goal percentage. So they're shooting better at home. Uh, and therefore, they've, they've got some pretty good wins at home. I mean, they, they beat Florida State at home. They beat State and they beat Louisville. And Louisville was last week. I mean, that's a good win. I know Louisville's a little bit up and down right now. They're smacking whoever they're playing right now, though. Georgia Tech, I think. They, they wore them out. It's over. Yeah. I was, they played that like mid-afternoon, didn't they? Because um, <laughs> Louisville's got three games this week, which is crazy. But uh, so, you know, for North Carolina, it's going to be – they don't have to shoot a extremely high percentage, but they have to be efficient, and they can't turn the ball over. Um, you know, 
Clemson's forcing turnovers about one every four possessions. Um, and as, as Gregory said, some of these games where they've gotten blown out, they haven't, they haven't been able to do that. And so if Carolina can take care of the ball and they continue to, to work from the inside out, you have to like their chances. Now, if Clemson's hitting and they're active defensively, uh, that's going to be a, be a problem. But, they, I mean, Clemson's a good team. They, they just have had a, a tough stretch of late for whatever reason. Gregory, you obviously don't think Clemson's very good. I think Amir Sims is very good. And, yes. Uh, they have struggled a lot. I, I think the, the way Carolina wins this game is just pound it to Brooks and Baycott and Sharp all day. Um, what do you think? Yeah, Clemson's defense, they force you to shoot threes. Um, that's kind of what they, they've done. And teams shoot relatively well from three against them compared – I mean, not great uh, compared to, um, I mean, what good three-point shooting is. But teams shoot 35.2% from three against them, which is 241st in the country. But teams are shooting almost 42% of their shots are threes. So it's high volume, high percentage – there's not a lot of twos, but then if you can get the ball inside, um, they're going to prevent you from scoring inside. So I don't know. It's, it's tricky. I think you still have to pound the ball inside because they want you to shoot threes, right? Um, that's kind of what their, their game plan has been is force threes. We'll let you shoot decent against us. We're not going to let you shoot twos. And when you do, we're going to defend them very well. So I think to your point, if you can get it inside and you can exploit that inside, then Clemson's kind of like, well, they might get back on their heels and be like, well, we don't know what to do anymore because this is not how we play defense. So I think to your point, I think that's what UNC needs to do. And I think since Clemson has been playing poorly, um, Jones brought this up to Roy about how not a great time to face Clemson because they're playing poor and they want to turn that around and you never really want to play a team that feels like they have nothing to lose kind of thing. Um, but outside of Amir Sims – I don't really see someone that can beat Carolina Uh-oh. in a way that Isaiah Mucius did. Now I'm the king of the jinx on Twitter. So Uh-oh. I'm going to have people coming at me now. Someone's going to have a career night. Um, but look, Amir, Who's it yeah, be? Right? Amir Sims is their leading scorer. He's their only scorer in double figures. He's shooting 54% from the floor, 61% true shooting percentage. He's, he's good. He's really good. He's their leading rebounder because he's their main big man at 6'9". Um, and even though at 6'9", sometimes he plays the five, even though he's shooting threes. I don't know. They have kind of a weird, weird lineup. And he's their leading passer. He has the most assists. He has like 38 assists, and second is their point guard, their backup point guard with 34. So if you can, almost like Pitt, if you can basically prevent everyone else from doing well, then you're going to win the game, right? Because Justin Champigny had a great game against UNC. Right. He had 21 and 12, I think, were his numbers, but everyone else didn't have a good game. So I think the game plan, rather than prevent Amir Sims, because he's not going to score 70 points against you. If you can prevent Amir Sims, then I think you're solid. I think that needs to be their UNC's defensive focus and then go from there. What do you what do you think, Greg and Luke? Go ahead, Luke. I think that the bigs are going to have a a big role in this game. Um, personally, I, I think Armando and, and Dayron specifically are going to have a, a really good game. Outside of Amir Sims, I don't think their forwards are all that great. And then I think Curran Walton, as you mentioned, 
um, with them letting shoot threes, I think he's going to have like a crazy 18, 20 point game. I he could attempt like 10 to 12 threes again. Like he yeah. did. Against, was that Florida state Greg that he shot that many threes? Yeah, it sounds right. I yeah, think they match up pretty well. So I'm curious to hear what Greg says. I don't think Walton needs to shoot that many against Clemson. He had to shoot that many against Florida State because they. But I think Clemson's going to make him shoot that many, though. Is what I'm saying. Well, if if they're there, he needs to take them. I I think he's proven to be a good enough shooter, and Roy said as much. Um, I mean, they have to tell him to shoot the ball more, and he he really is their their only true, I mean, three point threat. I mean, I know Caleb can get a little bit hot, but he he's still not shooting very. Good percentage, and we were talking about what Leaky was four four at Miami. Has he made one since? I mean, seriously, I'm That's not sure Leaky. that he. I have to look. Was four four against uh, Miami. He is. He uh, has three, three he has seven on the twenty two, so he's three of twenty two other than Miami game. Okay. Um, Ouch. So a good good Miami game, and they, they needed it. I mean, <laughs> uh, but. I was going to comment on, on Gregory's note there. I mean, Roy has said for years and years and years that he's got enough good players on his team that he doesn't rely on any one person to be the guy offensively. And if a team wants to take away a Tyler Hansbrough, then you've got Ty Lawson and Wayne Ellington to pick up the, the, you know, the laps there. And the same goes defensively. Like he's not going to commit – a lot of people to shutting down one guy. I mean, they're going to do some unique things and try to help each other out a little bit. I mean, um, they but, weren't even supposed to double Luke Garza. Luke, right. Like, when after, like, I think it was after the game or something, Roy's like, we weren't, the game plan was not to double team him and they yeah. were doing they it They were anyway. doing it anyway. Right. Uh, but that's the kind of the mindset of like, you know, if they've got a good guy and he's, he's going to get his 20 points, so be it. But we're going to play good enough defense where somebody's not going to be left wide open time and time again. Now, whole different discussion about whether or not that happens. Uh, but that's one of the reasons you see random people have big games is because they're not determined to take away any one person. They're, they're, they just want to try to play good team defense. And sometimes uh, people are able to capitalize on that. Yep. Last, let's wrap this show. We're getting out of here. This has been On The Beat Live. Um, I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, Luke Bucks. And I will – let's talk about Duke for just one second. I don't like the look hey, of it. Luke Buxton, Carolina and Duke at Duke. Uh, no Cameron crazies, but like I said, I'm pretty sure I heard plenty of piped in crowd noise, but it will not be the same over there. How do you see that one working out? Mm. Mm. I will say me and Greg were right on Pittsburgh. We both, I think I had okay. them by, six, by five. Easy. Two guys, to, two guys are left to me. Can't say, can't say that for them. Prove it. Too nor there. Um, roll the tape I think it's tough I mean the classic saying is right you throw all the stats all the numbers out the window for these type of games um last year I I yeah exactly I think I think UNC matches up pretty well versus Duke um I have a hard time I think I could see Duke winning that one I could I think UNC beats Clemson but loses to Duke Maybe that's a, maybe it's a hot take, but um, I mean, who guards Jalen Johnson? It's got to be leaky. 
and engage Leaky. What do you who guards Leaky? Leaky? Who guards Jalen Johnson? My question remains the same. I don't think. You, I don't <laughs> I think mean, you can. Again, that's the same thing with like Luca Garza and then uh, Champagne. Like Champagne dropped twenty three. I think you got to let him get his. As we just talked about. I think it's a toss up. I could see Duke easily winning, but I I wouldn't be surprised at all if you didn't see one by by one or two. It just Miami, really depends on who takes care of the basketball. Miami just beat Duke, by the way, by two. Uh, I was going to say Duke's what? playing better, and then I'm glad Luke went first because Miami. <laughs> Ah, oh, I mean the ACC. What a Miami was a two and six in the ACC, and they just beat Duke at home. So we the home court advantage. No, Miami and, was two. Andrew and Playtech needed to hit a game winner. They played eleven ACC. Right, Those Duke Rams are so soft. <sighs> oh, you've played there, yeah. You've played there. I've shot ball in there. You're right. It's a, it's like shooting in old Kerry High School gym. It's like the Gate. Come on, man. We're not talking about Tom Brady's a Buccaneer. Uh, Greg, Carolina and Duke Saturday. I mean, look, and, and I don't know if you two guys have covered, and I don't know how many people have had the opportunity to see a game in there. I love seeing games in Cameron. I mean, it is awesome to me. Even sitting on press row with all the the knuckleheads all over the top of you, um, it's a great environment. Um, it's a great environment from the crowd, but it's going to be different, Greg. And so how does it work out? Yeah, well, kind of the storyline that we've we've talked about for years in this matchup is Roy's going to do everything he can to pound the ball inside, take advantage of Duke's smaller lineups, um, and Duke's going to try to take advantage of some open shots on the perimeter. And uh, I think we'll see the same. I think this will be a fun one because neither of these teams are elite teams, um, and so it's really going to come down. And you've got you know, guards that are that are freshmen, pretty much playing the bulk of the minutes um, for both teams. And Matthew Hurt's playing pretty good, but you know, with the way that Armando Baycott's playing and the way that De'Aaron Sharp is just a physical presence down low, you've got to like UNC's advantage down there. Um, you know, Duke, I mean, they may have a little bit more talent. I don't know. We probably have that discussion. Um, but I think it's going to be a great game. And I, I think with Duke losing, you know, what Carolina does against Clemson is going to be critically important. Uh, but, but Duke will be ready, and I think Carolina will be ready. And, and for these teams to, to finish the way they want to, I think they need this game on Saturday. Um, so it's not the normal top 10 matchup that we're accustomed to. But this, one, this is one that's very important for how they finish in the standings and what kind of seeding they get in the NCAA tournament. So I, I think it'll be a fun one. When was yeah. the last time that UNC and Duke were on, both unranked and played each other? 61. Yeah, I mean. 1960. 1960. Yeah, I was not born. That that is insane. And I think you were born. I would never have, would never have guessed that. Boy, you lucky I can't come through the screen. Um, I can with all this done with all this white stuff over here. That's called children, my man. One day you should, you shall know. Uh, Yeah, let's get out of here. John Siegley, our uh, esteemed producer, is wondering when when we are going to finish so he can get this posted for our Inside Carolina listeners that haven't been on the live stream. It's been the On The Beat podcast sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, Luke Buxton. I'm Tommy Ashley. Boys, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I got the uh, live stream to work. If you've been here the whole time, we've been around 20 to th- 25 to 30 people. So thanks for thanks for coming out. Absolutely. Nice small little contingent. We'll build it. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.